Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. One Saturday, when I was very pregnant, Jordan and I went to a small hidden room at Baptist South with a whole bunch of other couples expecting babies. This was a class to try to teach first-time parents the art of childbirth and newborns. And boy, was it interesting. Not so much the subject matter, as much of it I had read or heard from friends, but what was entertaining were the other couples, some of which were clearly a bit overly optimistic about this whole birth thing. To try to break the ice, we went around the room and said our name, our due date, and what we loved most about being pregnant. Now y'all saw me. I had a terribly uncomfortable time with sciatic pain, gestational diabetes, and some pretty awful all day, not just morning sickness. But by the time Jordan and I had to speak, I thought of the perfect answer. I love that I'm never alone. And it was true, especially by that point. Roscoe, as we called him then, was always punching or kicking or squirming. I was constantly telling him about my day or singing to him in the car or praying with him in the sacristy as I asked God to cleanse my hands and purify our hearts so that we could be made worthy to worship him at his table. As an extrovert, it was lovely to always have a companion. And it was about the only enjoyable thing about being pregnant. Now it's a little different. Griffin is still my constant companion for the most part. But now when I'm away from him, I feel more acutely alone than I did before he came into my life. So when Jesus is saying his final goodbye and what we call his farewell discourse in today's gospel, I can relate to how the disciples may have felt. Prior to Jesus, God was present, but often seemed hidden. He spoke or worked through representatives like Moses or the judges. He was in the tabernacle, but only the priests could enter. And even then, it was risky. The prophets, also representatives of God, brought confusing messages of judgment. And when the temple was destroyed, God's presence on earth seemed lost. There was a separation between God and his people. Enter Jesus. Jesus was a man. He ate and drank and lived among God's people. Well, at least those in first century Palestine for about 30 years. But finally, there was no divide between God and his people. Jesus was the advocate for the people of God. He was the bringer of truth. He forgave, he healed, he loved, and he was the constant companion to those 12 men. So imagine the absolute grief the disciples felt to watch Jesus, God incarnate, be led off to die. Imagine their pain that first morning after his death, when the disciples awoke from nights of fitful sleep 
to realize that it had not just been a bad dream. Rather, Jesus had been tortured, crucified, and killed. The disciples surely wept for the man that broke down the divide between God and his people. They must have felt so acutely alone. And suddenly, Jesus returns. Jesus appears to them. Touch my hands and the hole in my side, he said. He sat and ate with them. Jesus, God incarnate, had returned. The word joy cannot do justice to the emotion the disciples must have felt to be restored to their Lord. But now, Jesus is leaving them again. This time, he is ascending to the Father to take his place in heaven. The disciples are not just losing their friend, rather they are losing their connection to God. While they have to be glad Jesus is taking his place in glory, they also have to be feeling some sense of loss, some sense of being abandoned by the God they've traveled alongside, the God they just got back. But Jesus does not leave them alone. Instead, Jesus leaves them with another advocate, one that will be with them and us forever. Now, we don't typically like to talk about the Holy Spirit and the Episcopal Church, except maybe on Pentecost. Jesus was a man. He used words. He breathed air. He ate food. And we can kind of relate to that. But the Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, which is a more accurate translation, is scary and invisible and unknowable. When we talk about the Spirit, images of people speaking strange languages or prophesying jump into our brain. We think of people dancing in the aisles or falling on the ground in convulsions. Or, for the more cynical of us, the Spirit is an excuse some people use to make other people think they have some special connection to God, when really there's just no way to disprove it. Images of Benny Hinn slaying with the Spirit while filling his coffers spring to mind. The Spirit can strike us as a cheap parlor trick rather than a genuine person of the Trinity. But the Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is God, and we need to be taking him seriously. In our universe exist black holes. We know this not because we can see them. Black holes are not detectable by the human eye. Rather, we can measure the effect they have on the matter around them. And therefore, we know they exist. The Holy Spirit is the same way. While we may not be able to see the Spirit, we can certainly see the effect he has on people. In the New Testament, we are told about the traditional gifts of the Spirit— the gifts that we can see in other people and know it was the Spirit who put them there. In 1 Corinthians, Paul describes them as wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, the discernment of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. However, the gifts of the Spirit are not limited to Paul's description of them. When we feel pulled or tugged to go a certain way, that is the Spirit. 
when we feel compassion for another human being, that is the Spirit. When we feel an overwhelming sense of peace or comfort, that is the Spirit. The Spirit is with us all day, every day, forever. Even after Jesus ascends, God is always with us because the Spirit is with us. As Christians, we believe the Spirit comes upon us at the time of baptism and never leaves. When we feel on fire for God, that is the Spirit. When we have mountaintop experiences, that is the Spirit. When we get the urge to call our sister, our brother, our mothers, that can be the Spirit. All of the times we have felt close to God, or felt led by God, or felt the presence of God in a room, that is the Spirit. While we seem to be the most uncomfortable with this person of the Trinity, the Spirit is actually the person of the Trinity we have the most interaction with here on earth. The Spirit is how most of us have come to know God. At times of struggle, personal and global, it can feel as though God has left us. It can feel as though God has forgotten us or disappeared entirely. It can feel as though we are so acutely alone. But next time you are feeling abandoned or hopeless or lonely, remember that the Father has not orphaned you. Jesus has not abandoned you. We are never alone. The Spirit is with you. God is with you now and always, just as Jesus promised. Amen.